Good morning, everyone. So happy to be with you all this morning and to be able to share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I was talking in the last service, and I mentioned the power of the songs of the blood of Jesus. The songs of the blood of Jesus, yes, serve us a reminder of the power that is inside the blood of Jesus. But it also is a reminder for us that it is only by that blood that we are being redeemed and brought into the freedom that we have that is in Jesus Christ. And so I'm happy to be with you on today. I want to share from the word of God, from Hebrews. Now scripture is coming from Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the 5th verse through 9. And it says, therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body prepared for me. With burnt offerings, sacrifices and offering, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. So they were offered in accordance with the law. First he said, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings, sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. Here I am. I have come to do your will. He said, aside the first to establish the second. We live in powerful times. And I believe today that as I was preparing to come and share before you, I believe that lots of people are on the precipice of what God is calling them into, calling them into their next. And sometimes when God is calling you into certain places, it's easy to want to procrastinate the place that God is calling you into. You know how we are. I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get to it next week. Or I'll embrace it uh, a few months later. Wanting to embrace it when you have everything in order. And I've come to realize the order that we oftentimes are waiting on, that order oftentimes does not come because it does not come within your own strength. You know, these, these are exciting times. Over the past few weeks, we at MVNU, we celebrated moving day. And this was a little bit of a different moving day. Because remember we had those horrible storms? One of those storms one night, I promise you, I thought it was the, the full return of Christ. And my bag was ready. I mean, fully, God, if you're coming, come on, get me now. Me and Michelle are ready to go. And so it was that morning and it had storms so horribly. So moving day at MVNU is really a thing. Like, it is a big thing. It's kind of impressive because you go, to, you go to other colleges and, you know, you go and you just keep going to Walmart and getting everything you forgot. 
You just keep going. Just keep going. It's like Walmart is just an eternal source for everybody. You just keep going. All moving day. I just see parents, they just go to Walmart all day, all day. I forgot this. I forgot this. But NVNU has this, this special thing about moving day that when, when you move on, on NVNU campus, you come through the, the, the front and you come through, and you drive through and you're coming through the drive through. And as you're going through campus, it's an entire celebration for the fact that your presence is now on campus. And I remember I moved to um, Ohio during the height of COVID. And that, that's the time where the campus was closed and, and everything was closed during that time. And so during that time, I felt that God was calling myself and Michelle to make a move. And, and, and as I often say, I, I, when, when I came across this work in Ohio, I, I had only been to one other place in Ohio, and that was Cincinnati. And I said, okay, it's the same thing in Cincinnati. And um, <laughs> it's not. But it's fine. It's fine for what it is. And I love it. I love every bit of it. And so... We were coming, we were getting ready, me and, my, me and my wife were talking about it yesterday, and we were getting ready to, uh, to move in. And so we had, I've only lived in two places. I lived in Georgia and I did missions in Mexico. And those are the only two places. So now I was embracing this next step, this next opportunity, doing something and doing a work that I had never done before. And obviously, nervousness comes with that because you're going to a place that you have not been before and you're doing things that you have not done before. And so we're getting in the car and it's me and we got the moving, the moving truck. My, sh- my wife said I bought too big of a truck, but hey, that's fine. It is what it is. And so we got all the truck and everything's packed up. And by that, we have a dog and a cat now, but it was just the cat and we had to drive 10 hours with the cat. And the cat did perfect. I just don't even understand how she did so well until she got here and threw up. But it's fine. It worked out when she got here and not in my car. So we're driving and everything's going well. I'm nervous. Michelle was fine. She was good. I was like this, okay, where am I going and why am I going? And what exactly are you doing? And and we get here and, and, and as we're preparing to pull in and we made several stops and I'm dealing with my nervousness and we pull in. And I wasn't expecting to see anybody. And they did an entire move-in day thing for me. And they did, James, if you know James Smith, he had this big banner, welcome to Vars, and all these people were clapping. I'm like, this first thing, what did I just step into? I'm a little scared. Like, too much niceness scares me. I like, I like medium niceness. Like, too much niceness, it took me over. with just right about right here, that's the level of niceness I like. And, and so, all this, this celebration. But it was a celebration like we do on every move-in day for somebody else's next season of life. Today, I've come for no other reason but to celebrate with you because God's calling you to your next phase. Here's the thing about it. As we look at this particular passage of Scripture, there's conversations in this Scripture about what was to coming and what was. It talks about what was to come which was Jesus who would be the fulfillment of law. But then they talked about the old system and how the old system was a system that would shadow what's to come. Well, here's the thing about a shadow. A shadow, basically what a shadow is, a shadow is a thing that sits between the surface and rays of light. A surface and rays of light. And between that surface and rays of light, like I'm looking at right now, I'm looking at my shadow. So between a surface and rays of light produces this shadow. And oftentimes that is what life is. It is the surface and rays of light. And here's the thing about a shadow. When the sun, S-U-N, is behind, the shadow is in front. And when the sun 
is in front, the shadow is behind. As it is in the natural, so is it in the spiritual. When the sun, the S-O-N, is behind, the shadow of darkness sits in the front. And when the sun, the S-O-N, is in the front, the shadow of darkness is able to be in the back. But it takes the sun to be perfectly in position. Here's the thing about a shadow. It has nothing to do with natural and just, just nature, but it has everything to do for where you are positioned. That one position that you are in has everything to do with producing this dark space, this distant space, this space that neither is close to the rays of sun nor sits in the surface. And lots of us in our lives, we're between the surface and the sun. We're in the place, we're not really in the place where we started, but we're nowhere near the place of the sun and the sun being the will of God. And so we live lots of our lives in the shadows, this shadow of darkness, this shadow of inability, this shadow of frustration, the shadows of tears, the shadow of anger. And as it said in this scripture, that the old system that would shadow the new system, they required the blood of bullocks, and it required the blood of rams, and it required the blood of, the blood of doves, and it was a solely a reminder of the sins that were constantly committed. And here's the thing about the shadow. When you sit in this place between the will of God and where you started, it is a constant reminder of your inability. When you sit between this place, it is a constant reminder of what you can't do by yourself. When you sit between this place, it is a constant reminder of what you're not able to produce by yourself because you're no longer at the surface. You're no longer where you started. You're no longer where you've been, but neither are you fully embracing the rays of light, which is the will of God. So you sit and you wait and you suffer and you cry in the shadows because it is a constant reminder of my inabilities. It's just like when they did and they sacrificed the doves and when they sacrificed because it required blood. But here's the thing, when they sacrificed rams and doves and all these different things, it did not produce what the light could produce. But it was a constant reminder of man's inability to produce what God wanted him to produce. And so many of us, we wait and we sit and we remain in the shadows of life. But David fully understood it when he said, good and mercy follow me all the days of my life and yea though I walk through what the valleys and the shadows of death and here is the thing about shadows they are not supposed to be where you position and you wait and you stay and you grow and not grow and you suffer but shadows are produced not for you to remain there but for you to walk through them and not designed for you to stay in place they're designed for you to walk through. But too many of us struggle because the shadow, what you see as a shadow is you're constantly looking at the image of yourself. The shadow constantly reminds you of your imperfections. The, the, the shadow constantly reminds you, you have to constantly keep looking at it and, and you don't wanna see it because there's things about you in the shadow 
that you say, I don't like that about me. That frustrates me about me. That angers me about me. And day in and day out, day after day, you're constantly looking at an image of yourself, not knowing, but the image of yourself is supposed to reflect the image of the rays of the sun. Because if you see the image of the rays of the sun, the shadow begins to go away and you begin to see God for who he is. Shadow, the shadow. And I sit here. I struggle. So what then, Tavares, is the resolution to the shadows? How do you walk through something when you have no guidance on how to get through it? How do you walk through? I understand what David said, but how do you walk through something that has walked with you the majority of your life? How do you walk away from something that seems to be naturally a part of who you are. How do you walk away from something that has attached itself to you? And when I turn to the left, the shadow is there. And when I turn to the right, the shadow is there. And when I turn around, every essence of the shadow is there. How do you get rid of the shadow? Well, Scripture says, and it gives the perfect answer in verse 5. It said, when Jesus came, when Jesus came, when Christ came into the world, he said, shadows, the shadows, because all this, the sacrifices and offerings were a shadow of what was to come. So he said, the shadows I no longer desire, but a body prepared for me. The other day, we had the privilege, me and my wife were watching um, a movie about um, Jesse Owens. You heard of Jesse Owens, the, ra the, the runner? So I've heard of Jesse my entire life, but I didn't, appreciate, I didn't appreciate this fact until now that I was living in Ohio. He went to the great OH. Come on with it. That only happens here in Ohio, where I can say OH and somebody responds I-O. That don't happen here. I don't happen anywhere else. So, 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 so I, I, I was looking, I was like, I didn't know Jesse, I didn't know, like I'm saying, like I know, I didn't know Jesse went here. And so Jesse, when, when Jesse Owens, when he was preparing to relocate and come to Ohio and, and train, and he wanted to train in the absolute best, so he went, came to Ohio, because that's where you do it. I mean, if you're going to be the best, you go to Ohio. And I used to didn't think, I, at first, I'll tell you, when I came here, I questioned. I questioned, but Ohio's doing really good. This Amish bread. Um, <laughs> They doing, it's really that. I mean, just uh, between that and the Amish buffet, I struggle a little bit, but that really helped out. And so, let me get back to this sermon and stay in this white box. So, what was I talking about? So Jesse, Jesse, he, 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 he was preparing to go. He literally had $2 to his name, and he's getting ready to go to Ohio. And everything that they throw in front of Jesse, all the races, he had little things, just little things that he had to tweak, but everything they put in front of him, he conquered. Everything he put in front of him, he conquered. Everything, everything. You want me to run this? I'll run this. You want me to do this? I'll do this. So much so that Jesse Owens wound up going to the Olympics. But here's the thing about these Olympics. These Olympics happened between, 
between World War I and World War II, and before the start of World War II. And Hitler was at these Olympics. And with Hitler being at these Olympics, there was a certain, there was a heavy, as you know, discrimination and obliteration of Jews and, and blacks. And so it was already an issue that Jesse Owens was going to be there and that the Jews who were on the, on, on the American team were going to be there as well. But the American diplomats worked everything out ahead of time before they got there. And so everything was worked out. And then Hitler did the switcheroo on him. And so Je Jesse gets there, and the first race that he has to win, he knocks it out. Decking race, he's got to go. And I don't know much about running. I don't do a lot of it. I just, I'll be honest. You, you probably didn't guess that, and that's fine because, yeah. But... The second race he does, it's like this long jump. I don't know what the name of it is, but it's like this extremely long jump. And Jesse does two, what, Jesse does it twice. They even wanted him to go back and do it again just for them to be able to catch it on video. And everything that they throw at Jesse, he knocks it out the park until something happens. Hitler sends word, and he said, the American Jews that you all brought here are not going to be able to compete. Well, Jesse's like, okay. And so the, the, two, the two Jewish guys come to Jesse like, you know, Jesse, we're not going to be able to compete in the baton race. They were like, oh, okay, I'm, you know, Jesse, I'm praying for you. But he was like, that means you're going to have to do it. Jesse, hold on. I have never done the baton race before. I've never participated in the baton race before. I've never had to hold a baton in all the years of experience that I have had. So you wait until we get to the Olympics, the world stage, where it's being videos and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are looking at me to have me do something that I've never done. And ultimately, they were like, yeah, that's exactly what, that's exactly what we're saying. You're going to have to do it. And so Jesse hadn't been nervous the whole time in the Olympics because he knew he was the best. But he was in best in what he had grown accustomed to. But he wasn't necessarily the best in the thing that he had never done before. So Jesse gets in position. And he's doing all the things that the runners do. I don't know what they do, but they do something special. And so he's getting ready to take off. And he has the baton in his hand. Jesse gets in position. And as Jesse is getting in position, he's running. And now he's running with a level of fear that he had not run with before. He's running with a level of anxiety that he had run with before. He's running with a level of frustration that he had not run with before. He's running with a level of pain that he had not run with before. He hasn't run this type of race and had to keep this type of focus because not only has it has to do with his legs, but his hands and every part of his body has to be in place for him to be able to successfully pass off the baton. So now it's created other anxiety. It's created other fears. It's created other frustrations. It's created other pain, has created other anguish because I've never had to do this before. And to be able to perfectly pass off the baton to the next person, I have to perfectly be able to deliver something that I have never had to deliver before. And here is the thing about it, friends, as we sit in the shadows of life and God is calling us into the rays of sun, we're no longer in the surface. We're no longer where we've been. We're no longer what we had to encounter. We no longer are here anymore. We're walking and we're beginning to progress and things are beginning to happen. Yet, 
Yes, shadows around us. Yes, pain around us. Yes, fear around us. Yes, anguish around us. But we're doing it and we're doing it scared. We're doing it even when we don't do like, feel like doing it. We're trying to walk in the perfect will of God for our life. And yet still, the shadows are around us. But the stakes are higher now. The moment is different now. The thing is different now. What God is calling us to do is different now. It calls us for a different urgency. It calls us for a different fever. It calls us for a different because I have to be able to perfectly deliver off the baton to somebody else. But delivering off the baton to somebody else, my friends, means that you don't have to run the race by yourself. That means that as soon as you get to the place where God wants you to get, somebody is waiting and ready to take it to the next level. Well, I come to tell you today who is the person with the waiting on you to hand off the baton. His name is Jesus. He's waiting on you in his perfection. He's waiting on you in his glory. He is waiting on you in his splendor. He's not calling for your perfection. He's calling for your availability. He's not calling for you to have it all figured out. He's calling you to just hand it off. Because when you hand it off to Jesus, God, Jesus has the ability to take it and take it to beyond places that you have seen and take it to places that you could not imagine. But you have to deliver the baton. But here's the thing about it. You don't have to finish the race by yourself. Because this race has not been given to the swift, nor has it been given to the strong, but it has been willing given to those who will endure to the end. So my friends, keep going. Keep going when it gets difficult. Pursue the will of God when it gets challenging. Pursue the will of God in frustration. Pursue the will of God in anguish. Pursue God's will for your life because when you pursue the will of God for your life, you don't walk along. Somebody's waiting on the other side to carry it the rest of the way through. So, he says, Turn now. After you've been living in the shadows for long, it gets to the point where you say, I can't stay here anymore. And I'm not waiting to next week. I'm not waiting to next year. My next is right now. When you get to that point, you say, as Jesus said, Jesus said these words, and if we can put the scripture back up, he said, here I am. Those words right there alone are powerful enough because that means the shadow may still be with me. Oh, but here I am. Uh, the, the darkness may still be around me, but here I am. The pain that I've had to deal with may still be all around me, but here I am. And I've come to Jesus just as I was, Weary, worn, and sad, but here, here I am. I, I don't have it all together. I thought it would be better by now. I thought that by this time in my life, things would be different. I thought by this time in my life, things would have changed. I thought by this time in my life, I would have grown to another place. But God, I did not get to the place that I wanted to go. I did not grow to the place that I wanted to go. But here I am. I'm, I'm coming to you with my hands empty. I thought by now my hands would be full of things that I had not had before. But I'm at this age, and I'm at this stage, and I'm at this place, and God, I, I don't have what I thought that I would have. So, I'm God, I'm coming to you, and I'm coming to you a little nervous. I'm coming to you because I've lived in the shadows for so long of trying and trying and trying to do it by myself, and trying and trying and trying to figure it out by myself, and trying and trying and trying to produce it by myself, and trying and trying and trying to get to this place. And, and God, now, here I am. 
But just showing up is not enough. It takes the next part that takes every bit of strength that you can muster. It takes every bit of strength to be able to say this next part. It was these words that Jesus said in the garden of Gethsemane in his most difficult moment. It is these words that shake the lives of men and take them from midgets to giant, take them from low to high, take them from their weakest point to their strength. It is these words and these words alone. I have come to do your will. These words alone transform the lives of individuals because when I come to do your will, it means I put my will to the side because my will and what I've done in the past kept me in the shadows, but your will carries me into the marvelous light. My will kept me in frustration, but your will carries me into peace. My will kept me in defeat, but your will carries me into victory. My will kept me stuck, but your will allows me to leap over boundaries. My will kept me in a place where I was in a cage, but your will says that it shall come to pass now in this season, in this moment, and not only shall it come to pass, but it shall spring forth. My will did not work, but your will comes with victory in his hand. My will does not produce, but your will allows trees to grow as men. My will does not get the job done, but your will is perfect in splendor. My will just doesn't fix it, but your will is better than a handyman. My will can't do everything that I needed to do, but your will does exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. My will won't fix it. My will won't turn it. My will won't make it better. But your will says, I am God, and I am God all by myself, and I need nobody else. Your will is perfect when mine's is flawed. And when you get to the point where you say, I have come to do your will, that is when he looks at what you did in the shadow. And though it's been a part of your history, it becomes obsolete because he takes away who you were even when you don't want to. He takes away who you've been even when you don't want to to establish who you can become. He takes away and he goes back to Abram and he takes that away so he can become Abraham. He goes back to who Jacob was and takes that away so that he can become Israel. He goes back to all the saints of old and to who they were and who their failures were and how they did things wrong and how they didn't fix it and how they couldn't produce. But when they got to the place where they said, here I am, he said, oh, that's easy. I'll take that away. And I will let this be the thing that defines you. You are not defined by the shadow. You are defined by the victory. 
And it is a victory that you didn't even have to fight for. These victories are called sweatless victories because this is a victory, a victory that you did not have to face nor that you have to fight. Let me tell you when this victory was won for you. On 2,000 years ago, on a hill called Golgotha, on an old rugged cross, there stood a man that was not even could be considered a man. There stood a man who was really a God who put his arms out wide, stretched himself above the earth, and he is God. And that same God who stretched his hands out and had his body go towards heaven. This same God is the redemption of all, all ages. This same God has all power in his hand and because he died, I was able to get up. Because he died, I was able to run out of the shadow and because he got up, there will be one, let me, hold on, let me slow down because I'm getting ready to lose a whole self. Because he got up, one day I'm going to get up. Because he got up, one day I'll stand in power. Because he got up, I have nothing to fear. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he lived, all fear is gone. Because he lived, life is worth living. Not because I'm perfect. Not because I have everything together. Not because I have everything figured out. Simply because of the fact that he lives. I'm going to call the band up before I start running. Um, come on, band. comes to bring you out of the shadows. Not tomorrow. Not next week. You see, you've got to understand, you coming out of the shadows has so little to do with you. Because the shadows are not just an act of nature but they have everything to do with where you are standing. But where I'm standing is getting ready to change because I'm coming out of the things that are dark and I'm running into the glorious light of God. You can't do it by yourself. You have to go towards the rays of light. But in the rays of light, he says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My strength does not depend upon if you finally decided to get it together or not. My strength depends upon the moment where you say, here I am. I've come to do your will. If we live like Jesus lived and we walk like Jesus walked and we go where Jesus went we don't need perfection we just need to know how to follow direction and that direction does not come to the perfect it actually comes to the weak it comes to the blind it comes to the sick it comes to the feeble. It comes to those who need it the most. And if you don't need it, you won't get it. But it's not until you need it that God says, I'll give it all to you plus much more. But when are we going to do it? We need to get like moving day. But let me 
be your cheerleader today. As you're getting ready to walk out of places that you have been in for so long, let me wave the pom-pom on today because you're getting ready to step into something that you've never stepped into before. Let me click my leg up for you. Not because you got it all together, but you were bold enough to show up today and say, God, I don't come with the answers, but I know the one who has the answers. Let me cheer for you today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, because your next is not tomorrow. Your next is not in a year. It's not in three seconds, but your next is right now because he said the day you hear my voice, heart, not your heart. Hear him today. Come out of the shadows. Come out of those dark places. Come out of that, that repetition because the, the repetition of sacrifice that they did before God with blood and bullocks and rams was solely a reminder that sin still existed. Come out of the silence. Come out of the frustration. Come out of the tears. And that doesn't mean the journey to the sun won't be difficult. But what I'm saying is that when you follow to the sun, it says, I'm going to do a new thing. And it doesn't lightly go forward. It doesn't kind of go forth. It doesn't kind of okay go forth. It says, I'll do a new thing, and it shall spring forth. God put a well in us that doesn't just glimmer. Put a well in us that springs to the highest mountain like the blood of Jesus. Because when you do that, we won't have to wait till tomorrow.
Well, church, do you believe that whatever battle you are facing, whatever trial you're going through, and whatever roadblock is in your way, that you're going to see a victory? And more importantly, do you believe that you can walk in victory every single day this week, knowing that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has already won the victory on the cross? That gets me fired up. Come on. Tavares Taylor, we want to thank you for your message this morning. Thank you for your, your faithfulness and obedience and, and bringing us the word that the Holy Spirit had for us. Well, my name is Ryan Wolf. I'm our Teen Life Pastor here. I'm, I'm overseeing all ministry for our, our grades 6 through 12. And if you are new here this morning, welcome. It's so good to have you here. We're so glad that God has called you here to worship with us this morning. We would love to get to meet you. And so if you uh, find me out in the lobby after service, find one of our other staff members. We'd love just to get to know your name, hear a little bit about your story, and get you connected with what we're doing here at New Life. Also, if you're new, if you could fill out the welcome card in the seat back in front of you, take that out to the welcome desk in the lobby. We'd like to exchange that for a free gift just to say thank you for being with us this morning. Well, you're not going to want to miss next Sunday. Let me say that again. You're not going to want to miss next Sunday. Next Sunday, you're going to get an opportunity to hear about all of the great things coming up in the days ahead for our church. Pastor Troy has prepared a special message for us as we launch into our new series entitled Daring Faith. And we know that Daring Faith is all about taking bold risks. We know that's about stepping up to face your giants as you step out into the unknown. And throughout this series, we're going to have booklets and devotional resources and life groups starting to continue the conversation beyond our Sunday morning celebration services. And so if you are interested in continuing that conversation and saying, you know what, I, I want to join uh, an authentic group of people who are committed to each other, to growing throughout the week and throughout this Daring Faith series and teasing out what it looks like practically to have Daring Faith. Out in, the key, out in the lobby of one of our kiosks, we have a list of all of our open small groups that are starting just for this series. So if you'd like to join one of those groups, please consider taking a look at the list of those uh, and joining us for our Daring Faith series. I, I want to reiterate that we are expectant of what the Holy Spirit has in store for us here at New Life. Well, lastly, at Teen Life in the past couple of weeks, we are, uh, we've been journeying through our, our values series where we're taking six weeks to look at our core values. Who are we as a church? And for those of you who have been around for a while, you know that one of our core values is serving as our lifestyle. And we've been, we've, we've been doing that the last couple of weeks through support, uh, support Our Schools Stuff a Backpack. And so if you are interested in still serving, we have one week left. So if you or your family like, I want to stuff a backpack, I want to fill it with school supplies, we have plenty of backpacks still in the lobby for you to grab. And if you've been filling backpacks the past couple of weeks, I, I want to let you know that we need all those backpacks here next Sunday. So September 10th, next Sunday, we need all those backpacks here. And we want to thank you in advance for your generosity and for the ways that you are committed to making serving your lifestyle. Well, church, as you, as you go today, I don't want us to forget Jesus' words and his invitation in Matthew chapter 11 to, to come to him, to come to me, all, all you who are weary and burdened. And as you go throughout the rest of your Sunday, as you start to reset forward to the week and look forward to your schedule and what all the things that need to be done, all the places you need to be, I just want you to remember Jesus' invitation, that when you're weary, when you're burdened, when you're tired, he can provide you real rest he will. Adopt his pace, slow yourself down, and walk with him this week. Go in that invitation. Have a great week.